Welcome to Bible Study. This is Nick Krita, your host. Very happy to be with you again today and thank you for tuning in with us. Today I would like to mention uh, the members of uh, the panel and I would like to start today with um, a new member of this Bible study. And I would like to ask uh, this young man to introduce himself, actually rather mid. I love being called a young man. That's a wonderful thing, Nick. Gary, thank you very much for coming along with us. And uh, you are uh, going to be the facilitator for this Bible study. But also, I would like to say uh, this time really to uh, another young man who's um, coming along with us. And um, can you introduce yourself also? Sure. My name is Alan. Alan, thank you very much for joining us today for this uh, Bible study. And um, I would like to say also welcome to Lija. I'm very glad to be here. Thank you for uh, you all guys uh, taking some uh, time apart to come together and uh, study today a very important topic. I believe um, we are looking generally in our study the list of these. Today we are going to talk about to love mercy. Gary, would you be able to take us through this Bible study just to bring a few points uh, uh, across uh, before we go into the depthness of, of the study. Yeah, Nick, hey, hey, thank you so much for that, uh, for the opportunity to be able to lead our, uh, our Bible discussion today. You know, this uh, last uh, last couple of months, we've been looking at this subject of the least of these, uh, particularly trying to establish how do we minister most effectively to those in need. Uh, today, uh, to today's um, Bible study, uh, we look at the, uh, the issue of loving mercy. How do we actually go about loving mercy in the world in which we're living today? Uh, we're in a world that is actually calling for justice on every uh, on every hand mercy seems to be the antithesis of that this week's bible study looks at the priorities for those that uh, that claim to be following christ you know those of us who are following Christ really do have some huge expectations being uh, placed placed on us. Uh, this is actually a super practical study. Uh, Christian, Christianity uh, moves into daily activity in this particular Bible study. We look today, we start by looking at the priorities of the kingdom of God. What are the priorities? What are the really important things? What are the essentials of practical day-to-day Christian living? And we'll just have a short word of prayer. Would you be able, Gary, just to lead us? I'd love to. Thank you so much. Father in heaven, Lord, we come to you now. We want to say thank you for being our God. Lord, thank you for being a great God that has acted on our behalf. Lord, I just pray that you might be with us as we look at your word today, as we open the scriptures, Lord, as we uh, come to an understanding of uh, your, uh, uh, your will as to how we can impact our world for you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. This week's uh, Bible study uh, looks at this issue of kingdom priorities, and we're going to start by looking at kingdom priorities in a personal setting. Um, now, I just wonder, um, Alan, how would you like to read for me a, a passage of Scripture? Because this is one of those passages that, to me, jumps out at me and is something of a creates a little bit of a problem. Um, uh, Matthew chapter six, um, verse twenty-five through to thirty-three. Alan, could you share that with us? Sure. So Matthew chapter 6 verses 25 to 33 says, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? 
Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Thanks, Al. That's quite a remarkable little passage. You know, as I read uh, that passage, that is a real challenge to the uh, to so much of the life that is that uh, is lived by so many people today. This injunction: do not worry about clothing, what you're going to put on. Don't worry about what you're going to eat and drink. Worry. It seems to be heart and core of our society. Uh, what is it, Lydia? In your life, what is it um, that really causes you the most worry? Is there anything in it all that I mean? Are you prepared to share on that one? Some people wor- can worry about their finances. Some other people can worry about health issues, and there are many people which are struggle with health. Young people mostly are worrying about. Uh, uh, education and a future, so or unemployment, uh, and many many other things. You know, family concerns, and you know, parents are worrying about their children' uh, future, and yeah. so on and so yeah. on. Yeah, no, that's uh, that, that's good. Thank you for that, uh, uh, Lydia. Alan, what about in, in your case? Is what is there in your life that causes you the most worry? Um, personally, my life. The things that um, concern me the most is whether I have uh, enough money just to go about my daily activities and also financial success in terms of my um, education. Okay, that's actually quite quite understandable, actually, Alan, because you're a young man, you're just starting out in, in, in life, and th- there would be many young people out in our, in our listening audience that would relate exactly to what, to what you're saying because there are many university students who finance is a major uh, issue in their life. Um, I, I can well remember working at the garage just down the road, you know, uh, trying desperately to get enough money to put together to pay, uh, to pay college tuition. It's an amazing experience experience and a wonderful time of your life. But uh, Nick, what about you? The question is, are we experiencing in our lives these sort of worries? And the Bible says not to worry. And how can we balance this? How can we come across? Are we then uh, disconnected from the teachings of the Bible when we experience in our lives some sort of worries? And I will just bring up something, Gary. Uh, in, in the family, even for myself, I've been through some health issues. And that causes me to worry. But the good thing was that I could reflect to these passages of the Bible and being able not to be trapped under these worries in my life, but to give it to God and to ask God to take care of those worries. I think you make a, an excellent point there, Nick. In fact, the thing that really inspires me is that word that you used, you don't feel trapped 
by those particular worries. I think that is so important because I'm conscious that the world in which we're living today, uh, there are many who actually feel trapped uh, by their by their worries. But let's just move on. Just uh, I, I, let's just clarify a little bit more. What are the signs? that you are actually worrying too much. I mean, many of us have just come to exist and come to uh, assume that worry is part of life. What are the signs that you're worrying too much, Anik? I'll just share what, um, how I experience things when I was worrying about too much, even about my health issues. And uh, I, I just suddenly just start to wake up in the middle of the night, which myself before I wouldn't be able to be waken up. But in this situation, I just woke up mm. in the middle of the night. Mm. Sometimes, you know, you have those, uh, you know, you're not efficient with your work during the day. And you may not know why, but if you can look back and think, okay, what's the cause of these things, you know? And then you may find out that too much worries uh, can create uh, a quite dysfunctional uh, daily routine. Okay, okay. Uh, what about you, uh, Alan? How, how do you sense worry in your environment, in your body? Is there a way that particularly stands, stands out to you? What are the signs that you are worrying too much? Personally, I've noticed that when we worry, we might not be at peace. And there's actually an interesting text in the Bible which um, actually talks about anxiety and what at least I'll just share it in Proverbs chapter 12, verse 25. Mm -hmm. It says, Anxiety in the heart of man causes depression, but a good word makes it glad. Mm. And I just find that interesting because in society, there's a lot of anxiety in the world, and it actually does lead to depression. And a lot of people have tried to treat that through um, their own means, but it clearly says here, actually, I'll go to another text in Scripture, which actually talks about this in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 to 7. It says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So it's interesting that if we actually aren't anxious, but we put our anxiety and everything what we need before God, He'll actually guard our hearts and minds, and we won't actually have depression. I think that's a, that's an important, uh, an important one of the great remedies to to depression is having outside support. And what you're talking out here about here is an outside support system that really challenges some of the great issues that our society is actually facing today. Uh, do you know one of the things that I'm conscious that our governments are really struggling with at this particular point in time is the issue of uh, youth suicide in particular. Mm-hmm. It's a huge scourge on our, uh, on our society mm-hmm. and so much of that actually comes back to this issue of worry and uh, the scriptures here I think are giving some principles that are uh, incredibly important in addressing some of these uh, some of these issues. Ligia, tell us, you know, what are the signs that, that you worry too much? Are you, yeah? During a lifetime, worries appears in your mind. Uh, so uh, you feel unsettled, anxious. Yes. Uh, so unsettled, as I said, and sleep deprived. 
Yes, I think also, they're good. They're good. They're good. Yeah. And you meant that adds to those few that you mentioned before. I think this is starting to form a little bit of a picture, which is which is really important. Exactly. But let's go back to this passage in uh, in Matthew again, chapter chapter five. Do not worry. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or what you will drink, or about your body, or what you will put on. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air; they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit uh, to his uh, to his stature? Now, th- that is a significant passage. Uh, Nick, tell us what's the passage really getting at? You know, is there some sort of difference between legitimate preparation for the future? And worry for the future. I mean, I'm a, I, I'm starting to get to the point of, of retirement now, and I'm I'm looking down some years and trying to, you know, prepare for a, a period of uh, of retirement. What's this passage really getting at? Gary, I think that's a very good question because um, how many of us are not uh, planning and even making legitimate uh, preparation, you know, for the future? And sometimes those preparations all bring worries. You know, because you'll think, how will fall in place this, all these things which I'm planning? But you ask, is that a difference in between a legitimate uh, preparation for the future and uh, the worries of the day and, and which can get us to all those things which were mentioned already, sleep deprived, depression, anxiety, concerns, uh, all those things. Is that a difference? And I believe as you read the passage again from uh, Matthew chapter uh, 6, when God is bringing that picture before us about the birds of the air and the lilies of the fields and, uh, you know, and comparing even with Solomon and his greatness that all those things are happening because somebody is in control and that's God. And if we have plans and in place, you know, that's nothing wrong with that. But do we have God along with those plans, mm. or we are just making them on our own, um, you know, will and power, and we leave God behind? Mm. I think this is very powerful what you're actually saying there, because what we're saying here is not it's wrong to plan for the future. In fact, the scriptures um, encourage us to plan and prepare for the future. That is actually really important in what we're uh, in what we're in, in, in what we're coming up against. But you know what I think this is actually saying is we I don't want you says God to to rely on your own efforts. I don't Mm -hmm. want you to have to worry about all the little things in your life. I want you to learn to trust. You know, Christianity talks a lot about faith. Faith is actually a very practical thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, I want you to trust in the Heavenly Father and be conscious that He will actually guide if you put your life into His hands. I think that this passage here, Do Not Worry, has incredible practical implications for us today. Um, Okay, let me just move just a little bit further on a slightly different direction. Direction, that talks about the priorities of, I suppose, our personal lives. I just want to move now to kingdom priorities in relationship to government. Now, if I can read one statement that one author uh, did, actually, uh, did actually make, and uh, this author said, This different set of priorities also challenges our relationship with those in power over us and over the oppressed. While the Bible instructs Christians to respect and obey
obey governments as far as possible, there comes a point where we need to echo the words of Peter, we must obey God rather than human beings. Now, this is a a fairly challenging statement, and it quotes a a Bible text there at the end. But I'm just wondering, uh, Nick, would you agree with that statement? First of all, Gary, you mentioned uh, the Bible passage, which you say, uh, Peter saying that, I mean, you should judge now. Who should we obey? You or God, you know, in these uh, terms. And I must say that when we come across a thing which we need to choose in between following God or just respecting the government's decisions, which can be a totalitarian government, you know, which will impose things upon you. Growing up in a communist country, when you live under a totalitarian uh, government, yes, um, then you are forced to to do certain things. And when I become a Christian myself and decided to follow God, I come across one situation which I like to share. I mean, many situations, but mm. I like to just mention one. I was called back in the army, and I was uh, in the capital city building those famous buildings in Bucharest. You know, the Parliament House. Now, at that time, I was convinced myself to keep Sabbath holy. But we are called to go to work on Sabbath. And uh, I say no. And while I say no, then I face uh, lots of problems because I could be called into the military court. And I say, look, this is my faith and uh, I like to respect it. And, you know, because of that stand, because of that position, even under that regime, I was allowed, not to go further into the story, you know, I can share probably another time, but I was allowed to keep Sabbath. And even other people, other colleagues, they go went to work on uh, on Saturday. But I kept it for, for myself because that was what I wanted to do, to follow God rather than what the government was asking me to do that time. So basically what you said was that you certainly respected the authority of the government, but that there was a higher authority in your view, and the authority actually was the authority of God, and you were wanting to follow the higher authority rather than the lower authority authority. Um, do you know this is a uh, this is a huge uh, huge challenge to us. I mean, uh, where is the line between obedience to authority and standing up against oppressive authorities? Because I'm really conscious that there are many countries in this world where um, we certainly don't have the freedom. Um, people don't have the freedom that we've certainly got in uh, uh, in our country. Is there a line between obedience to authorities and standing up uh, against authorities? I mean, uh, your government was very good to say you, you you don't have to work on the Sabbath, but there are many countries where that sort of thing doesn't uh, doesn't happen. I think of the um, the Desmond Doss uh, film that came out just very very recently, um, and of course that's the story of a of a, a Seventh Day Adventist conscientious objector who uh, uh, who stood for many things. And the American situation, in the American culture, you know, some some might well ask, you know, should he not have been obedient uh, to the army authorities? Or was he correct to stand against what he saw as an oppressive authority? Uh, Lydia, you... Yes, we m- must obey uh, the government authorities until we don't need to lower our standards. So we have to obey God's law because in the Bible says 
in Matthew 22:21, give back to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. And I remember living in a communist country when I finished my uh, studies and I went into the workforce into my first job, I was asked to uh, work on Sabbath. And I stood up for myself and I said, I'm sorry, I cannot work on Sabbath because this is my fate. I want to obey God's law and I cannot go against my uh, conscience. Yes. And uh, they offered me actually uh, higher pay because they needed me. And I said, I'm sorry, uh, the payment doesn't cover um, my conscience, so I cannot go against and as I, uh, just to to add on that, Lydia, as I remember, you lost your job. Yes, I do lost my job and I went and I worked as a, at a lower job, but I kept the Sabbath holy and I didn't work on Sabbath. That, that's actually a very powerful little uh, a story there, Lydia, because um, whereas Nick, in his particular story, he, uh, government authorities made adjustments uh, for his beliefs, in your, in your case, you actually lost your job um, and were was enticed with with higher wages. Yes. Um, and I mean, how did you feel about it at the time when you lost your job? I feel I felt great. I never felt sorry uh, because I was very happy that I stayed uh, with God and I didn't upset God by uh, going against. Uh, the law, the commandment of working on Sabbath. I was pretty happy. I wasn't upset at all because God provided for me another job. And even if I didn't work on my profession job, I worked to a, you know, to a lower job, but I didn't mind because I, God provided for me the necessity of living and I didn't mind. Okay. Okay. So God actually fulfilled his part, even even though you weren't able to continue that particular yes. job. Okay. A powerful story. Yeah. Let's just go again a slightly a slightly different track. How can we stand up against an oppressive an oppressive res- regime? You know, I, I'm really conscious that in the world in which we live, even even in our own country, there are times when Christians do need to stand up and. Uh, um, and, and share what they stand for, uh, certainly to the uh, political powers. How can we stand up to, uh, to, to that which may uh, challenge our conscience, which may go against uh, biblical, uh, biblical belief? There are so many stories out there, books uh, and movies, short movies, let's say, testimonies of people that they encountered a fierce regime they were forced, uh, for example, pastors, they were forced to give up their job and they were imprisoned. And in, in the prison, they kept God's law even if they faced beating and hunger and thirst. And they are, in their testimonies, they are saying that it was visible to all those oppressors that God was there with him and he survived the hunger, two, three weeks without any food, and God brought bread to him, uh, to a particular person, through a cat. The mm. ca- a cat brought a piece of bread on the window uh, every day, and he didn't eat that pieces yes, of bread. Yes, he just yes. hold it there uh, for two weeks, and it was um, a testimony f- uh, for him that, that in the end, 
the cat that was bringing the bread was the the owner was the op- the first oppressor mm. and the bread that the cat was bringing was the bread that his wife was making mm. so god is there for those who keeps closer to god and trust him wholly and i think lejes just referring to richard uh, wurmbrand uh, another amazing story which came out of romania from under the communist regime and um, you may heard about the the book the voice of the martyrs mm-hmm. um, and how he stood up as a as a young man and as later on as a pastor against the communist regime and that's very well known in the world uh, about his position and god took care of him as lija just mentioned in miraculous ways um, but the question gary you asked a bit um, earlier even in our times in these days how can we stand up and i think this is the important thing because i think the examples that certain legia has given are very very powerful and certainly they they come from a a time that um that uh, uh many christians have had to live through and are very very real and i don't want to depreciate what's yeah. actually but what i'm so conscious of is that uh, here in uh, australia today uh, that's uh, those issues are probably not going to be faced by by most uh, most christians um but you know is there a time and a place for christians to stand up for their belief in australia in uh, uh in 2019 I mean, if I just mention the you know Israel Falal case in Australia. Now we yes. we we don't live in a in a we live in a democratic country. Yes, yes. But yes. sometimes the regime can be set in a certain direction to even oppress you in a democrat settings. You can still be uh, cut off. Yes, yes. You can yes. be still restricted in expressing. your beliefs your views yes and yes. that's the famous case which is <laughs> everywhere uh, right uh, right now you know in the yes. media yes and uh, and i think you actually make a powerful point there because um because israel is certainly standing up for you know his particular uh, beliefs and i think that uh, you know he does make a very powerful point in what he uh, in what he has actually shared i think of in our own state parliament here in south australia here at the uh, at the present time there's a there's a bill before parliament on the legal organization of prostitution. Um now this is something that um I think I certainly know most Christians would would not be in uh, uh in favor of and yet how how should we most appropriately respond uh, to that uh, is there a place i mean for dialogue with newspapers with uh, uh becoming involved in petitions is there a, you know contacting your local member of parliament you know I, i'm conscious that these are only in many ways little things and yet they are incredibly practical in this area of kingdom priorities and relationship to the government uh, we have in many ways the church the church itself has become very mute in uh, in what it is actually saying about key issues in our society today and and Gary just I want to um, to add uh, on that a little bit because sometime we can uh, face these uh, situations and we can become very rebellious and we can have a you know an attitude of uh, hatred you know and rebellion but the question here is looking at peter yes. and james 
they were standing up boldly for their faith and belief, but they put their lives at risk and they were not creating a rebellion around. They were just standing up for for what was uh, was needed. And the question probably what you're looking for, uh, the answer to, the, to that question is that how can we contribute or how can we bring our views and input into contracting uh, all these things like you just mentioned about legalization of prostitution, for example. I mean, if we'll stand for that, we'll be maybe marginalized, we'll be ostracized, we'll be, you know what I mean. Yes, but yes, yes. do we need to stand up for that thing? And that's certainly what you're seeing in the left-wing press today. Mm-hmm. Um, there is actually a, a, a sidelining of Christian viewpoint. And, uh, and yet, in spite of that, I think there is certainly a, a very powerful case uh, f- to actually address uh, many of these issues in our, in our society. Within the kingdom, there are personal responsibilities that I have, uh, but there are also society's issues that I need to relate to and to share with others not just those within my own family, but with the wider society, a uh, God's expectation for uh, for human living, mm. um, and uh, yeah, I think this is a uh, this is an area that, uh, as a as a rule, the Christian Church uh, does uh, uh, probably doesn't take the stance yeah. that uh, uh, that it uh, it could take uh, much more powerfully. Mm-hmm. Mm. All right, let's come back, if we can, to these kingdom priorities. Where we've gone so far is we looked at uh, the um, uh, Christ sharing with his disciples, don't worry about the, about the future. We looked at the kingdom priorities of in a personal setting. What does it actually mean in my life? to worry? How does that impact on my personal life? We looked at um, the kingdom priorities and relationships to the government. Um, you know, should we be, uh, should the Christian church, should we individually, are we being called by God to impact our society with, a, uh, w- with his message for our world? I believe the answer to that is yes, we are. Yes, we and are. that does mean making a, a stand um, on, on many issues that may actually sideline um, the, the spokesmen themselves. Mm. Let's come to another um, kingdom priority, and it's this, uh, this issue of, of compassion. Now, you know, one of Christ's best-known uh, parables relates to the issue of, of compassion. Today it's simply called the, the parable of the, the Good Samaritan. Now, it's a fairly lengthy parable in the, in the scriptures. Lydia, could you just remind us, what, what is the parable of the Good Samaritan? Okay, it's about a man that was going from Jerusalem to Jericho and he fell into the hands of robbers and uh, they stripped him of his clothes, beat him and went away and leaving him uh, halfway dead. So next to him was passing by a priest that happened to go down on the road and he saw the man but he passed by on the other side. Mm. And also a Levite was passing by and saw him and also he went on the other side. But a third person which was a Samaritan that he was traveling there, uh, he saw him and he took pity on him and uh, he went to him, bandaged his wounds. poured oil and wine and um, put him on his donkey and uh, he took him to the closest uh, inn um, and uh, um, asked the uh, innkeeper to take care of him, paid him uh, and um, 
uh, with two coins and uh, they said uh, look after him and uh, when I will return I will reimburse you with uh, uh, the extra expenses that you may uh, have so uh, this uh, parable shows us who is your neighbor and how can you show compassion yeah, thanks. Thanks so much for that, uh, Lindsay. That's really this is a this is a parable. It's been preached on many times. There are many lessons we can take out of this mm-hmm. parable uh, of the uh, uh, of the Good Samaritan. But you know, the thing that intrigues me probably most of all in this particular parable is is this issue of why did two religious people, why did a priest and a Levite, they're both in religious orders, so to speak. Why did they, when they saw the wounded man, why did they cross onto the other side of the street and choose not to help him? There's something happening here that, to me, I uh, again I try I struggle with somewhat. Um, I just wonder if, in fact, not what's happening here is if we don't have a thing that might be called compassion fatigue. Um, now, mm-hmm. compassion fatigue, you know, that's the, that's this thing that happens when you've had a life of giving and you've given so much that in the end the person just, you, you see a wound, a hurting person and somehow in their mind uh, comes the thought, somebody else. And they have become weary in doing doing good things now I, I'm conscious that in our world today even our helping societies have been a growing weary in in some areas I, uh, I'm in the helping professions my, myself uh, I, I function as a minister of religion and uh, uh, one, of the, one of the great challenges is that while there are a great many very needy people in our world that you that you really want to help, I'm so conscious of the number of times in my own life that um, I have been ripped off, and there's no other word mm-hmm. for it, by somebody who has wanted to take advantage of the system that has been set up to help those who are genuinely poor and needy. Mm. And, you know, after a little while, um, uh, I'm conscious that those in the helping profession can become uh, fatigued with sorting the true from those who are wanting to, those who are, um, who, those who are really trying to uh, take the system for a for mm. a ride. How can we avoid doing? How can we avoid that happening? Nick, mm. do you, Gary? Again, this is a very um, touchy, sensitive yeah, issue. Yeah. Um, particularly as you mentioned about uh, people who are entrusted to do that, you know, like uh, like the priest, like the Levite, you know, and in my opinion, uh, just to expand on this story a little bit, is that comparing themselves with the Samaritan, which genuinely, the Samaritan genuinely saw the need, saw a person in crisis, in need, yeah. and he allowed from hum- his, from the hum- his humanity, to come out that goodness, mm-hmm. that thing, you know, to care about other person, which God put it in us. Mm-hmm. Sometime, as you just pointed out, Gary, we can be, you know, in that um, situation of um, compassion fatigue, 
for those reasons, because we came across so many times and sometimes we ripped off. And I would like to suggest another thing. These two people, they were looking at themselves more than uh, the need of the, that person because they were thinking, oh, if we'll go and touch this person, we'll be unclean. Oh, if we'll do this, people who look at us will discredit us from our position, you know, where we are uh, and to function. And they were prioritizing their things first in their life rather than looking at the need. Mm. But Jesus, and this is important because Jesus, he said he was moved by compassion yeah, when he yeah. saw the needs yes, of the yeah, people. Yes, yes. And I, I think if I could make a difference here, that could be the case. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that. But how can I maintain that level of compassion without becoming fatigued? That's the thing. I, because I know in, in my own life, I suppose the really key thing is this issue of prayer. Do you know, it's only for me, as I stay in connection with the Heavenly Father, it's only as daily uh, I'm re- I receive a gift of the Holy Spirit that I'm actually able to maintain a level of compassion so that I am not, um, so that my compassion is not directed by those who would take advantage of the system, but rather it, uh, it is built up by those who are, uh, by the Spirit of God to minister to those who are genuinely in need. Mm. Yeah. Does that make That's sense? That's really good. And can I call that, uh, Gary, uh, intentional approach? Like you mentioned about the prayer. Can I ask you something while you, while we have you here? Because, uh, you initiate a v- wonderful, uh, um, thing, you know, called Aussie prayer. It's, that's a wonderful ministry, Gary, to, um, to consider uh, to give opportunity to people to pray, to be able to find help. Yeah, yeah this was needs. something that we started just a little... It's interesting what you actually say there because this has been a real, real blessing, certainly to myself and I I believe to uh, to many other, other people as well. I uh, probably uh, six, eight months ago, I started a thing, um, uh, a weekly prayer time um, in fact on many occasions it's been more than more than weekly uh, 6 a.m. of a Tuesday morning we actually get together but we get together by zoom uh, which is an uh, internet-based uh, conferencing facility and uh, we get together a group of us uh, just simply to pray for needs that have become evident to us and uh, you may have actually heard our our ad to Aussie Prayer Network Aussie Prayer Network at gmail.com um, and uh, encouraging people to send any prayer requests to that particular address and uh, we've actually received numerous responses there and we actually faithfully pray for them uh, name by name I actually just send back a, an email just telling people we have prayed for them and try a word of encouragement mm. uh, but you know I, I've actually had back numerous um, um, responses now from people just uh, um, just thanking us profusely mm. uh, not for any gift any financial gift not for any um, any clothing or food but just for the fact that they've been thought about 
and prayed for uh, and that they feel richly blessed. Mm. You know, in fact, even if, if people wanted to, uh, to come online uh, and join us at our prayer network, 6 a.m. of a Tuesday morning Adelaide time, then they'd be most welcome to come and join us. All they need to do is write to that, uh, uh, to that email address and uh, I, can, uh, I, I can forward them the link into the, the Zoom uh, teleconference mm. and uh, we can pray for them or for uh, uh, any other need which they might be aware of. So, yeah, that, that's one of the things that I suppose in my life keeps some of this compassion alive. That's wonderful, Gary, and thank you for sharing with us uh, uh, that. And, uh, yeah, for our listeners, please just contact us for further details. Um, and important to be intentional. And you know what? To have compassion doesn't mean that you need only to help physically or with materialistic things. To, to have compassion towards people, you may uh, listen. You may, uh, you know, do some other things which doesn't necessarily involve materialistic things. I think Alan has um, a yeah. bit to share. Yes, I've actually just been inspired to share this. Um, scripture actually teaches that we can actually gain encouragement from the great and precious promises in the Bible. Now, I'll just share one of those promises. In Psalm 94, 18 to 19, it says, If I say my foot slips, your mercy, O Lord, will hold me up. In the multitude of my anxieties within me, your comforts delight my soul. So we can actually see that the mercy of God will actually uphold us or comfort us. And I'll just elaborate further. If I um, turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3, it actually says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. Mm. Mm. That's good. That's good. Uh, Lydia? Um, yes, yeah, so answering again, how can we keep the line of compassion uh, visibly um, to me is that I have the the example of Jesus so I observed that Jesus in his ministry appeared to devote more time to healing than to uh, teaching and uh, he regularly showed mercy by healing the demon possessed the disfigured the blind the deaf the dumb and the wounded in spirit and he always felt compassion over the crowds of people so Christ cared more for humanity than for the religion and he showed mercy God through Jesus he re responded to human uh, frailty and he showed mercy loving kindness and love so our ministry to the world is not only in the realm of doctrines and uh, ideas but should be demonstrated in acts of mercy towards people uh, fairness, compassion and justice so practical work will have far more effect than more sermonizing mm -hmm. 
Very good. Thank you so much for that, uh, uh, Ligia. All right, let's, we're coming to the end of our, our hour, so we do need to start winding things up. Today we've been talking about the kingdom priorities in a personal setting. We've looked at the kingdom priorities in a, uh, in a corporate setting. And then we've started to look at some of the specific uh, kingdom priorities. We looked at compassion. But there's, an, there's another one here we need to look at very uh, particularly, and that's this issue of generosity. This is a kingdom priority as far as the scriptures are concerned. I read in uh, um, Paul's letter to, uh, to Timothy, he says this, Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haunty or to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Let them do good that they may be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come, that they may lay hold of eternal life. Now, to me, this is injunction to rich people. Okay, um, tell me, Nick, when would you assess a person as rich? Because, you know, I, I don't see myself as being rich, um, so therefore this passage doesn't apply to me. I, I love this passage, you know, because it applies to those Bill Gates out there. They're the ones that this passage applies to. Um, when do you apply, when is somebody rich in your mind, Nick? Again, very good question, Gary. And probably if I look at yourself and try to and say, I may consider you rich, you know, if I, oh, if I <laughs> but you know, depends from, from which angle you're looking. That's right. At. That's right. Yes. But uh, as you just pointed out, uh, there are so many people who reach in a materialistic way, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, have uh, lots of things at their hand and being very unhappy. Yes. Or, yeah. uh, you know, or there are some people still happy, but not necessarily putting their riches uh, in the place where it should be. Yes. And because you asked the question, when I consider a person rich, and I had to look for myself, because I cannot just give uh, answers uh, talking about other people, uh, I always consider myself rich. Mm. And now... I must say that I don't have a lot of riches uh, which this world offers. Yes, yes. But I have compassion. I have uh, consideration yes. to people. I love my neighbor. You know, I love people around. I'm, I like to spend time with, uh, with people. And I feel myself rich. I, I feel myself rich uh, because I'm able today to share these amazing uh, things from the Bible mm. with so many mm. people. And I think that's a really great blessing from yeah, God. Yeah. We don't need to to run after the goods of this world yes. and miss out mm. on the reality of life. How can we make today the best for us and for those around us? Yeah, and I hear what you're saying there, Nick, and I think it make a very powerful point. Uh, do you know, one of the things I'm very conscious of is that anyone who's actually spent more time in a uh, uh, in a third world country, when you compare a third world country to, you know, Australia, you say, is there anybody here who is not rich? I, I like you, Nick. I actually look at myself and I say, I am I am rich. Okay, I have one house that I uh, that I that I live in. Um, I don't have any investment properties, and um, you know, it's. I own a car. That's that's nice. But do you know the thing that I'm I'm conscious about is that uh, many might look and say the fact that I I own a car makes me a rich a rich man. 
in many ways I probably am rich but you know the thing I've discovered in Christian ministry in many years of Christian ministry is that uh, within the Australian context uh, most people are actually rich Mm -hmm. Um, when you look at the big world scene and uh, particularly if you've spent any time in third world countries uh, you realise that within the Australian context most people are actually rich, rich, mm. um, and and this I, I know there are many of your listeners that might be suffering, you know, hard times at the present time. But I like to to look at us in a worldwide mm-hmm. uh, setting, and please please be assured, I do understand when people are going through very di- there are people who go through very difficult times in Australia. The thing I'm thankful for is that there are generally support systems in place mm-hmm. generally and I do acknowledge that there are some that those support systems aren't there for uh, and they're the, uh, they're, they're the people we need to uh, uplift most of all uh, but you know to me this passage here in the scriptures where Paul is talking to Timothy about the rich person who's he actually talking about he's actually talking about me mm-hmm. um, and, and that to me means that this passage is actually a huge challenge to me. Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haunty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God. There's a message here, I think, for us all, and the message is that we're actually uh, called upon to function with a God view of our world mm. rather than a human view of, uh, of our world. But, Nick, is generosity... Is it more than giving money? What do, what do you think? Any, anybody, is generosity more than... Uh, Ligia, what do you think? Is generosity more than giving money? Generosity, of course, is more than giving money because generosity comes from the core of your heart. Some people can give, you know, donations or money and that's it, they forgot about it. And they uh, sleep very well because they they done something. But generosity is far more than that. Mm-hmm. Um, generosity is a quality of living, if mm. I can say. Uh, it's one of the largest of life attitudes, and it's a key quality of those who fear the Lord. In Psalm uh, 112, it says that God will come to those who are generous and lend freely, who conduct their affairs with justice. So a generous life is larger and more valuable than any donation. And for most of the people, generosity doesn't come naturally, but it is grace that we need to express in our lives proactively and purposely. Okay, thanks. Alan, you wanted to share. Yeah, absolutely. You can also be generous by investing your time. Um, People have often said there's a saying that um, time is money. So if we actually invest our time in helping people, that's also a form of generosity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you know, one of the things that I'm so conscious of is that within the scriptures, what we get is a story of a widow um, who went and put just what is the equivalent of two cents into the offering and then you got some rich people who also went and put a great deal uh, with much fanfare into the offering Christ actually noticed not the rich man who put in out of his abundance but rather the uh, the lady who put in out of her poverty 
And he said about her, he said, she has given more than all of those people because her generosity was equated by heaven in relation to the amount that she actually had rather than the uh, amount that she was giving. You know, to me, that is so powerful because what we've got here is that Jesus actually regards the, the person who gives just a little bit when they've got few resources as being more generous than the uh, Bill Gates who gives out of his multiplied millions. What an amazing blessing that God puts on those individuals. You know, as a church, uh, uh, as a church minister, I am so conscious of the generous people that are in our world. And, you know, the thing that stands out to me is that there are so many generous people who don't go around blowing their trumpet. I can actually name people mm. who have uh, who have come to me and given me significant sums of money, but they've said this to me. They've said, uh, Pastor, we want you to go and give it, and they've named somebody. It's for this purpose, but I don't want you to tell them who, who it comes from. And I've gone and given it to the person. I've gotten a receipt from them. I've gone and given any spare cash back to the individual. I've given them a receipt. But that is that is so important that uh, people are generous. And I can name person after person who's actually done that. I can think of another person right now who has got a ministry to third world mm. um, a type environment. And uh, he makes a very powerful contribution in a third world environment. But many would not recognize his contribution. And within many Christian churches, the story is the same thing. Generous people but they don't want to be known as being generous people. But, you know, the person who knows about those generous people mm. is God himself. And uh, I think that's a um, God calls on us to be generous, but not to flaunt our wealth, but rather to say this is something that I am doing because the Holy Spirit is living in my heart. Mm. Um, okay, let's come to our last one. Our specific kingdom priorities are peacemaking. You know, um, in uh, Matthew chapter nine, uh, ch- Matthew chapter five and verse nine, um, Christ says, uh, "Blessed are the peacemakers." And Christ places a blessing on the peacemaking. It's an amazing gift that's actually foundational to Christianity. But the, my final question is this: In the kind of world in which we we live, how realistic is it? to do what Jesus says here, to be a peacemaker. How realistic is that? Anybody? Anik? Look, um, I came across so many times among people who needed a word of encouragement, who needed, if you like, uh, somebody from outside of their mm. uh, situation mm. to be involved with their need. And yes. talking about uh, peacemakers... You don't need to wait to be a professional yes. to be able to do that. Because yes. most of the times we'll just direct people, you know, to say, okay, have you seen a, a counselor? Have you yes. did yes, yes, this yes, yes. and that? No, you just need to be genuine, to listen to their yes. uh, concern, to try to put yourself yes. in the same situation and share with them mm. where God helped you. Because that's the beauty of life, Gary that uh, if we trust in God when we experience all sorts of things which we don't have an answer for God will come with answers if we trust in him and believe in him and we have we all of us here we have experiences in life mm. if we could share those experiences with others and uh, 
be a mediator, if you like, where you see conflict. Um, Nick, this is so important what you're actually saying here because, do you know, one of the things I'm conscious of is when people read Blessed are the Peacemakers, so often they think of, uh, okay, I can never be, uh, I can never bring peace in the Middle East. I'm not sure anybody can, but I can never do those big things. But, you know, the thing that I'm so conscious of is that um, we can we can actually make peace in our own personal environments. You know, mm-hmm. I'm so conscious that there are uh, there are people uh, who are at war with their husband or their wife. They're at war with their children. They're at war with those uh, in their extended family. They're at war with with, with the next door neighbour. And, you know, to me, as I look at this, the blessing is actually placed. One of the Christian um, um, principles here, uh, the kingdom priority is blessed are the peacemakers. To be able to make peace. We're actually called to be able to forgive. Mm. Mm-hmm. And this, to me, I believe, is a is a very beautiful teaching of the Christian scriptures uh, that we are called in our own particular environment to make a uh, to make peace with those who might be feeling that might be struggling at this particular point in time. Uh, I might just say one other thing. That does mean that, um, for example, might be challenging the things that I write myself on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've had to deal with many issues of conflict with individuals who have written inappropriate things about others um, on uh, on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Do you know, being a peacemaker means that written it, instead of writing the negative, I'm going to write positive. That's um, a very good example. And that, that to me, I think is something very important today. Nick, I'm conscious we are running out of time. Yeah, and uh, that, that, sorry about this. That's all right. The time is gone for now. But uh, just w- if we can uh, finish with a, a very important thing, because Gary, you, uh, you mentioned earlier about the power of prayer. And mm. I would just like to say uh, a thing in concern to a situation where I was involved when I knew that the conflict is in that family. And, you know, I just uh, get at the door and I saw the, even the conflict happening right there. And I, uh, I said, look, can we just have a word of prayer together? And that thing helps so much. Yeah. You don't need to come with um, miraculous, you know, uh, tools, you know, to sort out uh, a situation. You just need to give it to God, who's the peacemaker, who yes. know how to deal with all those things. But and to actually have people praying for each other. Do you know, it's a very difficult thing to fight um, uh, together when you're actually praying for each other. Yeah, that's very powerful, Gary. Thank you very much uh, for uh, uh, this opportunity to share together on Bible study. May God bless each one of you. And Gary, thank thank you so much for coming along and leading uh, this Bible study. Thank you, Alan, for uh, joining us, and I hope I will see you more. Um, It's good to be here. Yeah, and and thank you, Lydia, for, uh, for joining us. Just before we closing right now, Alan, would you be able to to pray with us and for our uh, listeners? Absolutely. Our Father in heaven, we come before you in the name of Jesus. Father, thank you so much that we could come together here and discuss mercy and also the priorities of your kingdom. And Father, please help us to remember that everything in this world only temporal, but the things in heaven are eternal. Mm-hmm. And with that comfort, help us to go forward and fill each and every one of us with the Holy Spirit and help us to be able to show your um, your character mm. in our lives 
as Christians representing Christ in us. We ask that you do all of these things if it be your will. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.